What's going on, guys? Me and Aaron are extremely excited to announce we have come up with a new show concept that you can consider this the first episode of. This show is something that we've decided to title The Great Awakening. And our mission and vision behind this show is really to pioneer a consistent show that you guys can tune into that documents the story of the Great Awakening in real time. And we want to clarify that when we reference the story of the Great Awakening, we are referencing this notion that every single day throughout the human story, our consciousness as a collective is expanding and evolving. And most of us get lost in the day-to-day and we lose the ability to zoom out and understand that the human story is unfolding right in front of our eyes. And if we get too caught up on any one issue, any one news headline, it becomes a little bit challenging to realize the joy and the gift that it is to be on this planet at this time. So our intention with this show moving forward is really just to be that reminder for you guys to not only bring the real world events and the things that are going on in our culture that very much so do impact us in the 3D, but to also ground that in the reality that this is not all that we are and that there are higher perspectives that are simultaneously going on. So I'm going to hand it off to Aaron to talk a little bit more about why we're so excited about this show and really our vision for it. And then we'll go ahead and and get into it today. Awesome, man. Yeah, you know, we just did the rabbit hole series this year and it was just phenomenally successful. And we had a lot of amazing feedback from you all that you'd like to see more of this content. But uh, Jeremy and I had to talk a lot about that because we basically put our lives on hold for two months. (laughs) To create that series, it it took a lot out of us because we really wanted to pour our heart and soul into it to create the best product we can, which was really meant to be like a resource that you guys can use if you have friends or family who you would like to wake up to these truths of natural law, common law, and this great awakening that's happening, especially through the law perspective. We wanted to provide a resource that you could direct people to where they could watch those eight episodes and have this you know, really well-rounded view on the current standpoint of where humanity is with the current system of our world and why it's so corrupt and how that corruption has come about, as well as the way to get remedy through truth and natural law. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really fun series, but we've been talking about how do we create something that could be an ongoing conversation because Jeremy and I are always talking about world events from this current standpoint of really seeing everything from a positive lens in that everything is about humanity's awakening in our eyes. You know, we're kind of seeing world events always through that lens of the great awakening. And we kind of came to this conclusion as Jeremy was touching on that we're, we're living through the greatest story ever told, which is humanity's awakening. And we're kind of so deep in it that we're missing the forest for the trees We're not really witnessing or recognizing this incredible story that's unfolding of mankind's awakening and liberation from its own enslavement, which 
literally is happening before our very eyes each and every day. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible time to be alive. And we want to bring that perspective to the world, which is really inundated with a lot of negative viewpoints and negative perspectives on world events. You know, we talked about this in the rabbit hole series, right, Jeremy? 90% or more of all news headlines are negatively oriented to provoke fear, to provoke anger and so forth. And there's very little, you know, positive news or positive perspectives being given. And if we're going to awaken and ascend our consciousness to a higher level, we have to be, we have to provide those perspectives for people who may resonate with them. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people, Jeremy, who want so badly to have a positive viewpoint of this awakening, to not be afraid any longer, or to not live in anger any longer, but they just maybe don't know how to look at it through a positive lens. And so that's kind of one of the big purposes of our show is to provide that new perspective that everything that happens really is good in the long run for humanity. Yeah, it may be difficult for the time being. It may be challenging. It may be painful. It may be frightening. But in the, in the grand scheme, we know that divine intelligence is orchestrating humanity's awakening and the gradual uh, purging of our karma, which we've accumulated on this planet for millennia and millennia. There's just no other way that healing and transcendence happens other than the darkness has to come to light. The corruption has to be exposed. And I think that real spiritual vision always trusts in the divine, knowing that the divine intelligence is orchestrating all things to perfection, but to see that perfection happening in real time when the next news of the next war breaks out or the next crisis or whatever it is, to see that as perfection unfolding requires us to have a radically different lens and perception than the world is trying to provide us, than you know, the mainstream, the matrix is trying to provide us. And that's really the, the overarching purpose of this show. Yeah. I think for me and you, it can become easy for us to forget that most people don't see the world the way that we do. And if you're anything like me and Aaron, we're not surrounding ourselves with you know, normal people. So you can kind of become a little bit detached from like what is affecting a lot of people on a daily basis in the sense of like the conversations, the things you're worried about, the level of consciousness you're operating on and yeah, where your fear, fear scale is and all of that. And so, yeah, uh, one, of, one of our big intentions with, with this series is really to transfer a lot of our perspectives and the way that we think about things and the way that we perceive these events to give you guys a higher level perspective that you may not be able to access on a day-to-day basis. You might not have people around you that think this way. You might not have people around you that have this level of consciousness that are able to so naturally access these perspectives. And so obviously Aaron is an extremely gifted spiritual teacher and he has a way of putting the extremely complex and intangible into simple, tangible truths that you can comprehend and that you can implement in your life. And so that's what he's going to be bringing to the show largely. And on my end, I'm more on the the financial side, but I also understand the the spirituality piece and and all that comes with being a, a 5D being, you know, stuck in the 3D and and all of that. And so whether we're talking about something that pertains to law, politics, the economy, 
our monetary system, whatever it may be, you know, those are a little bit more in my wheelhouse, but these are really things that me and Aaron talk about all the time. And so we're really excited to be able to put our unique zones of genius together, just like we did in the rabbit hole series. But I would say the big difference here is that this is going to be uh, what I feel is, is really innovative in that we're going to be addressing these things every month. We're going to have a show once a month at the beginning of the month, and we're going to recap certain things that occurred the last month. We're going to be pulling up in real time for you guys something that you know may have just occurred in the world whether it's a news headline or something that happened with the media industrial complex or something going on with the war or something with the economy or the Fed or whatever, things that are impacting real people in real life. And we're going to be giving you takes that you may not have considered before from two people that you know do this for a living. So we're really excited about it. This is something completely new. And I know me and Aaron both get fired up around innovation and doing doing like creative things in cool new ways. So we're excited guys and we we hope that you, you know, tune in every month and um that you continue to receive value from our collaborations. Yeah, well said. You know, I think the new earth is emerging before our eyes and maybe this is a good place to start is like first principles, right? The metaphysics of how collective consciousness works is that the more of us on this planet who are drowning in negativity every day because we're feeding and brooding over news headlines all the time, doom scrolling through social media, watching all the negative news. When we are in that state of consciousness and that vibration of fear and anger and resentment, we're just adding more of that into the collective. And not to say that that's a bad thing because we're also releasing that in a sense, but we have to become aware of what frequency we're vibrating at because if we're going to move this planet from a more negative frequency of fear and whatnot, we have to begin individually, each one of us transcending fear and refusing to feel fear when we look at news headlines and world events that are unfolding. But to again, have that natural foundation of trust and surrender to the divine will and what's happening, knowing that it's for the highest good ultimately. Why do we know that? Because we know God is love and we know God's will for humanity is good. But God also in God's love honors the free will of humanity and won't infringe on humanity's free will. And so for, again, millennia, it's been humanity's free will to enslave one another and kill one another and do all kinds of horrible things to one another. And so God has to honor that will, but nevertheless, we're reaching that point where we're growing weary of our warring and our killing and our separation and division. And more and more of us, especially newer souls that are incarnating on this planet, are crying out for a planet of peace and unity and love and harmony where we all work together to create, you know, an oasis, a utopia for one another, which we obviously have all the resources to do that if we wanted to do it. The only problem standing in the way is our kind of deep separation consciousness that we're still living under. So one of the other kind of big goals of the show is to give you guys an incentive or maybe a better way of saying that would be to help incentivize you to root for humanity, you know, to like feel like you're on the humanity team, you're rooting for humanity to win. And when any part of humanity loses, you lose, right? Because we're all one. So we don't want to see, you know, genocide and war happening in any part of the world. We never cry out for those things any longer because we're now living from that unity consciousness. And in the same way that we have like 
football teams and and baseball teams that people root for and they wear the jersey for and they'll go and man they'll get so emotionally worked up at that sports game imagine if you know imagine if like a fraction of humanity was that passionate about humanity in general as like the team (laughs) that they're rooting for dude that would create so much positive energy in our collective um and you know we have to begin somewhere in creating that momentum so why not here and why not now And so I guess we'll kind of roll into our first segment here, which is positive news. So Jeremy and I were kind of like putting our heads together to think about what would be a fun framework to use for this show. And we came up with three basic ideas, which one is positive news, which is where we'll be pulling out, you know, world events, news clips, uh, news articles about certain events that we see as a huge positive for humanity's growth, right? And that may not necessarily look on the surface like a positive, which Jeremy is going to show you guys an example of that today. But we're going to, again, we're going to be giving you a radically different perspective where you can actually look at things that most people would consider horrible news or negative news and actually see why it's a positive for humanity in the long run. And so um, that's our first segment on the show. The second segment is we're going to do some reaction clips Because again, Jeremy and I kind of do this with each other through text message throughout the week. We'll send each other articles or news clips and give our individual take on something. And it's like, oh, that's a great point, man. I didn't see it from that perspective. Here's what I think. And we just kind of talk about things from this perspective. So in each episode of the show, Jeremy's going to bring one clip to sort of get my reaction towards and he'll give me his take on it. And then I'll bring one clip to get his reaction on and kind of like an authentic organic interaction in the moment that obviously is not like pre-planned in any way. And then the third and final section is going to be like our predictions for the upcoming month based upon the way things are going and progressing. What are some things we predict may be happening in the near future? Um, Even in terms of like giving you guys a lot of those common law perspectives of world events, that's obviously a huge passion of both of ours is sovereignty, law, financial freedom, So a lot of our predictions and uh, advice will be from that lens, but just kind of preparing you for what may be unfolding in our near future. And so with that being said, I guess I'll pitch it back to you, Jeremy, to go into um, the item of news you chose for this episode uh, for actually what we're doing in this episode, sorry, is a 2023 review. So this is not necessarily about just the last month, but kind of our overall, what's the biggest takeaway, the biggest win for humanity that happened in 2023. So Jeremy, why don't you present us with your idea? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, to kind of set the frame for today's episode, Aaron just beautifully laid out how our consistent monthly episodes are going to be. Today, as the more intro episode to, to really just kind of cast the the wide vision is going to be focusing on, first off, each of us sharing a, a perspective or two around 2023. Kind of think of this as a as a year-end recap, right? It's a time for reflection. It's a time to think about the year that we just we just got through, the year that we were, you know, grateful enough to experience on earth. And uh and then we'll be transitioning to 2024 and what are our big predictions for 2024 which is going to be a hell of a year, right? So so that is the most macro framework that we're going to use today. And so today will be will be much more of a macro episode. 
Then come January, February, March, April, when we're into our, our monthly episode flow, we'll be using uh, more of the framework that Aaron described, where we're more so focusing on what happened the last month, what we feel like is coming down the pipeline in a less of a macro timeline. So having said all that, yeah, uh, the first question that we'll be kind of you know exploring is around 2023. Specifically, the intention of what we want to explore is what happened in 2023 out of everything that occurred what stood out to you what one or two things you know do you want to highlight that were obviously like in the news in our culture globally whatever it may be that affected the world and as i was sitting with this what came through for me is uh maybe polarizing and maybe a little confusing at first because you know Aaron talked a lot about, we want this to be all about positive news and understanding that all of this is happening for us, not to us, right? Creator consciousness, consciousness, not victim consciousness. And what came through for me repeatedly was war. Mm -hmm. My biggest takeaway from 2023 in a positive light, which I'll explain in a second, was all of the war. And before anyone tries to cancel me, let me explain what I mean by that. So first, and this wasn't new in 2023, but it still was kind of, you know, still has been a thing. First, we had Ukraine and Russia, right? Then more recently, we had Israel and Palestine. And while both of these are very real events in it, and I want to clarify that. And there's immense suffering on all sides of war. There's nothing good about war. I believe that these were both two massive catalysts for awakening so many people who aren't necessarily into what me and you are into, Aaron, who, who aren't following an Aaron Abke on social media, right? Who, who aren't, they've likely never even heard these kinds of perspectives. They don't understand the level of corruption. They don't understand the games being played in commerce, right? They don't understand all these first principles that we teach on. But war, war affects everyone. It doesn't matter if you don't know a single person who's Ukrainian, Russian, or lives in Israel or Palestine, you are likely paying attention to that. War is an extremely polarizing topic. And so everyone likes to give their opinion and have a stance on it, right? You know nothing about it. You've never visited any of those places, but now you're repping a flag on your you know, car or whatever, or posting on Facebook. So what I've seen this year is that our military industrial complex that cannot survive without a consistent conveyor belt of war coming through the pipeline, right? Every, every year or two, we got to have a war or the literal foundations of our global economy and power structures and political dynamics would topple. And I believe that I'll say the military industrial complex, as well as our 
political complex has overplayed its hand to a point where people are now, they're now waking up to the reality of this doesn't make sense. Something's not right. I think when they pulled that card during 9-11, it was so close to home and charged for people and controversial that people rallied behind it and okay, fine. For the vast majority of people supported a war in the Middle East. When we we know damn well that was about, you know, oil, gold, and money. But but I digress. But when we had the Ukraine-Russia thing, at first everyone's on board, right? Then all of a sudden it starts becoming this thing of wait a minute, we're sending how many more billion to the president? Wait a minute, we're doing it again? Where do you guys think that comes from? That comes from your taxpayer money, right? And so I started to see that. And I don't know if you noticed that, Aaron, but I started to see a shift. People went from like so pro-Ukraine, which look, this isn't about, you know, Ukraine or Russia. Like We're pro everybody. It, it, yeah, we're pro-human. That's what this show is about. Yeah, It's more of, can you not see what they're actually doing? What this is actually about? right? Playing to our emotions to get money. Just like uh, when a a cute little girl shows up on your doorstep and she's trying to sell you Girl Scout cookies and you don't fucking want Girl Scout cookies. You're trying to, you're trying to lose 15 pounds, but you buy a box, (laughs) don't you? Because you were just emotionally manipulated. And that's what our government does for a living. And so I saw that shift in Ukraine. And so by the time the Israel-Palestine thing came down the pipeline, in my opinion, you can't you can't use the war play twice in a year. So what I've experienced in 2023 and what I wanted to kind of recap is just that from what I've observed, I think that one of the more beautiful and positive things that happened this year, despite the absolute atrocity that is war, there's nothing good about war, the act itself, I'm clarifying that. But I believe a lot of good is going to come from this and is already coming from this in the sense of if the global consciousness does not wake up from the dream that says that in war there is a good and a bad and that says that there are just causes for war and that there are unjust causes for war. We will not ascend. Our consciousness is stuck. If you truly believe in duality, you believe there are just reasons for war, and you believe there are unjust reasons for war, then you are stuck in dualistic, low-level consciousness. And what I've seen is people who aren't even necessarily exploring their consciousness or spirituality, they're starting to kind of look at things like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? If our country is how much, how many trillions in debt, what is our national debt? And we're giving what to Ukraine? Mm -hmm. Why are we getting involved in Israel-Palestine? Why is there protests outside of the DC building about it? So people are starting to ask questions. Yep, I think people are tired of war being the proposed solution. And I believe that, and we'll talk more about this, but 
the positive that I believe is going to come from this is just that you can only you do the same magic trick so many times before people understand that it's a trick. Yep. And they've done the same sleight of hand over and over and over. Mm-hmm. We had World War One, we had World War Two, we had Vietnam, we had the Gulf War, then we go to the Middle East, Cold and now War. it's now it's other wars where it's not even directly involving us. But it is because everything is about money and there there are there is so much that you cannot see. So even a war where you might be asking yourself, like, why is the US giving why are we sending them aid? Why is the US involved in this? Because who do you think is sending them all the guns and ammunition to both sides? That is the business model. And then it goes even deeper than the military industrial complex. You can't just blame the people making the guns and sending them out. Who prints the money for the companies to do this? And who prints the money for us to send the $30 billion, for us to send the $40 billion to these countries? Hmm? The Federal Reserve. Well, where'd that come from? And so you start to get you start to understand that these are all intricately connected and that they play on our emotions by choosing a certain tribe of people. And they get everyone else to either slander that tribe of people and justify their genocide or hop on board and defend that tribe of people and choose this other tribe to essentially attack. It's the oldest trick in the book. Yep. Meanwhile, their system continues to do what it does. And the only way, as you talk about, to for our consciousness on this planet to, to ascend is to start to recognize that you're being played and it's it's an old, old game. And I'm starting to see signs that this isn't going to, it's just lost its, its pizzazz. People that were more in the middle are starting to wake up. Everyday people are starting to go, okay, I don't think war is the best approach here and starting to wonder, you know, what, what is this actually about? They don't know anything about, you know, commerce or law or even the federal reserve or whatever. They just know that the middle class is getting crushed by inflation. Our national debt is what our government defaults on its debt like every few months and yet they just keep doing more. And then we're sending money away. But if you've ever been to LA or San Francisco, you look at how our population is being treated or not treated with the homelessness problems there. People are are starting to see these things. It's not even necessarily spiritually driven for them. It's starting to get to a level where our common sense our literal IQ, our intelligence is being insulted. Yeah. We're at a point where this isn't like high level chess they're playing. It's actually kind of offensive <laughs> how low level of a game theory or chess strategy they're playing. It, it's it's not hard to figure out. The only reason it flies is because we're plugged in the propaganda machines at age six. 
Mm -hmm. And by the time we come out at 18, or if you go to college 23, you're so trained into the left brain memorization, regurgitation, stay within the lines, societal conditioning model that you can't see how shitty their magic trick is. But for many of us, you can untrain that. And then it's just kind of like, how do you guys not see this? And that's yeah. what I feel, that's what I feel we're heading into. And so I'm going to hand it off to you after a, a hell of a rant. I didn't intend to talk quite that much about that, but um, it was a great rant, dude. Yeah, that's my side of things. And I'm super interested to see um, what stood out to you in regards to 2023. Uh, maybe, you know, one to two uh, big events that, that you want to give your perspectives on. Yeah, man, there's so much that I want to say or could say on this topic. I'll try to pick what I think are my best thoughts on it. Um, you know, 2023 was definitely like the year of war. War was just the, the theme throughout the whole year. I think the Ukraine-Russia war started in January or maybe it was like end of 22. I can't remember exactly. But then it, you've noticed as the Israel-Palestine conflict began, all of a sudden we completely stopped hearing about Russia-Ukraine. Yep. I mean, I haven't seen a single news headline anywhere about Russia-Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And what were what was the narrative we were being told? Ukraine is winning. Ukraine's the little guy, and they're going to beat the big guy. David versus Goliath. Ukraine's yep. winning. Ukraine's keep sending money. Keep sending money because they're winning. They have a chance. They have a chance. And real intelligence agencies and officers around the world were being like, no, Ukraine's getting stomped and they have no chance at all. You're completely yeah. wasting your money. Call a ceasefire. Call a truce. Let's work out a peace treaty. And those people were canceled, censored, and ignored. And of course, what they were saying was true. Uh, Russia absolutely dominated Ukraine throughout the whole war, already has won the war. They're going to take the territories they wanted to take. And now the, the media is like, shh, look over here at this new war. This is the big thing now. And get, get stirred up about this. Get angry about this. And so like you said, Jeremy, that's the magic trick, the sleight of hand of look over here while I pull the card out of this hand. And so the, the intelligence of humanity does need to feel insulted at a certain point of <laughs> nobody likes to be played. Nobody likes to know that they're being played. In fact, it makes people very angry to know they're being manipulated. And it's like, how much more clear could it be the fact that we pay taxes and this is how they spend the money? I mean, the double standards are mind-blowing, aren't they? You've heard the phrase, Jeremy, of when people say, hey, keep that same energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Someone on social media talking crap to somebody and they're like, hey, you better keep that same energy when I see you in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that with the government, isn't it? It's like, if you don't pay your taxes, if you're in any amount of debt, they'll throw you in prison immediately for like, you know, 20K, 100K in, in tax debt right. you haven't paid. But they're mm. in $33 trillion of debt and they get a free pass every single year. They've never once had a penalty for that. Mm. And they'll just keep taxing you and sending all the money over to proxy wars to kill people in other countries. And you have to pay for it or they'll throw you in jail. So it's like, oh, the government is clearly not keeping that same energy when it comes to themselves. It's just a standard they want to impose upon you, right? And we see this everywhere. So like the controllers, if we want to use that word, uh, when I say controllers, I don't mean people who are more powerful than us or something. I mean, those people with large sums of wealth and power who want to use that wealth and power to take control over humanity. Uh, they're serving as our catalyst for awakening, right? Because we don't want to be controlled. We want to be free. 
the controllers, so to speak, whoever they are, wherever they are, elite banking families, political families, they orchestrate these things together to say, how do we keep humanity's attention off of the obvious facts that we're playing them, manipulating them and controlling them? And so they use these distraction techniques, right? Like Jeremy's talking about Ukraine, Russia, shift over to Israel, Palestine. And when they wrap that one up, there'll be another crisis they'll introduce at the tail end of it to be like, look over here, be angry over here. And so, yeah, it's like, at what point will humanity be like, wait a minute, we're not playing this game with you anymore. And that's uh, the first piece of positive news I wanted to talk about today. And I'm actually going to share my screen because I think this year, Jeremy, we saw a massive shift in the balance of powers in the media world from uh, mainstream media to independent media. Uh, we saw all kinds of all-time lows in terms of like viewership numbers for mainstream media networks, Fox, CNN, MSNBC. Uh, CNN, I think, took the biggest hit this year, but this is from uh, freebeacon.com talking about CNN's ratings hitting an all-time low. Don Lemon gets fired. You know, like a lot of big pieces got moved <laughs> around this year. And we see the rise of independent media, Russell Brand, Joe Rogan, uh, tons and tons of channels, Jordan Peterson, um, Tucker Carlson on Twitter. Oh, of course. Tucker Carlson. That, that was probably the biggest shift, wasn't it? It was the biggest shift. Yeah. Tucker was, uh, fired from Fox, went over to X, uh, Elon gave him a place at X and what was his first show? He got like 128 million views or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. He was, he's organically getting between 50 and a hundred million views on Twitter. <laughs> And I mean, but his first show, I, I did see like around 126 million or something. I, I know Elon retweeted it and everyone was really waiting for that first episode. Yeah. And I don't think all of the top three news agencies combined no, could come no. close to those numbers. No. So that's a very good thing for humanity long term, right? Because that trend's obviously going to continue. Yep. When we talk about awakening, we, we often say like, once you see something truly, you cannot unsee it. So once somebody has truly woken up to the corruption of mainstream media, that they are literally just puppets of the pharmaceutical industrial complex and the military industrial complex on and on, then you can't ever trust mainstream media again. And I think like, unfortunately, maybe my parents and my grandparents' generations, the boomers and whatnot, they just kind of grew up in that era where news media was a big popular thing. It was kind of like the internet of their age. And so everybody trusted the news media back then. And whatever they said was the gospel truth. Yep. And so I think these ratings we're seeing here of like, they're still getting, you know, 345,000 viewers, even though that's abysmally low compared to what they used to pull in. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know how they're still afloat, honestly. Um, I know podcasts that get more views than that now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Nevertheless, those people are probably like the boomers and the older generation who still just, yep. they're kind of programmed to just turn on the news to find out what's happening. And they're not mm -hmm. really aware yet that they're getting a certain perspective of the news that's happening that highly benefits the elites and the financially wealthy and the, the controllers. And they're not getting the unbiased perspective of things. And that's what independent media attempts to do, or at least to give the counter narrative to the mainstream. Um, which is also very, very helpful, right? We need at least more than one narrative going on. Correct. But uh, this is such a huge shift for humanity that has gone somewhat unnoticed or unappreciated, I think. We also have this one you and I talked about, Jeremy, 
Um, Disney this week came out and said to their investors that they sort of were apologizing for being too woke because the, the woke ideology that we've seen being used by the controllers to really divide and polarize people from each other is no longer working on the collective, at least here in the States, um, as effectively to the point where Disney, which was like the poster child for woke ideology over the last few years, making all these Disney movies with woke ideology all, you know, ingrained within them has been like, Hey, sorry guys, that was a bad move on our part. Had a lot of flops in the box office. We're going to be shifting away from woke ideology now. Um, because really at the end of the day, these companies are corporations that want to make money. They're not actually invested in Marxism or something. It's just a tool for them to recruit more followers and make more money, right? So as soon as that stops working financially, they'll probably pivot away from it. And that's what we see happening with Disney and many, many companies, you know, Target, Bud Light, they all got their asses handed to them this year in, yeah. in some pretty big ways. So that's also a huge net positive, right? The third piece that I thought, actually, I'll save this one for last. In terms of independent media, we couldn't wrap up 2023 without touching on RFK Jr. And mm. just the incredible campaign that he has launched this year and what it has shown us about where humanity's at. In terms of mainstream media, right? They have done nothing but dog this man and, and try to tarnish his name, accuse him of things, call him a conspiracy theorist, call him a misinformation agent. I mean, there's not been one piece of positive news from the mainstream about RFK. And yet mm. he's leading all candidates in favorability, according to this article from The Hill. Uh, and down here, it actually shows what the numbers are. It says that Kennedy has 52% of respondents calling him favorable only 27% calling him unfavorable. So that would be like a net 25 or something like that favorability. Whereas mm -hmm. it says Trump has a 51% favorable and 44% uh, unfavorable. So that's a net of seven. So that's seven compared to RFK's net 25. And then mm -hmm. Biden's net is like negative two, which, <laughs> um, you know, these polls are always manipulated, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's as bad as they can manipulate them and RFK is still clearly in the lead, mm -hmm. that's a very good sign, right? And, you know, you and I are both big fans of RFK and literally every friend I have, everyone I know in the spiritual community loves this guy because mm -hmm. he's maybe the first politician we've ever seen who appears to be the, the genuinely real deal in that he is deep, a deeply spiritual person who's guided by a deep spiritual moral compass this guy refuses to participate in food fighting, politically speaking. You'll never hear him say a negative word about opponents. He will criticize their um, ideas and their policies that he thinks aren't helpful, but he'll never say a bad word about somebody like, obviously, Trump. That's kind of what he's known for, right, is trash-talking his opponents to death. and uh, Like uh, ad hominem attacks, basically, like attacking their character. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's like a moron, this and that. Yeah. He, like... News commentators will bait him over and over to try and say something bad about Trump or Biden. And he'll always say like, look, I'm not here to belittle anyone. I just think their idea about this is not helpful or whatever. And that says yeah. a lot about someone's integrity and character. We've never seen that from a politician, man. We've only mm -hmm. ever seen politicians that are hand selected by the deep state who want to have those food fights and, and create all this polarizing conversation. And so RFK, even though, you know, he may not stand a chance, a, a high percentage chance of winning the presidency 
Um, especially now that we know how highly manipulated elections are. What it says about the collective consciousness that this guy has been nothing but trashed by the mainstream media, and yet he's leading in favorability, means that people are gradually stepping away from mainstream outlets to get their news. And they're not, yep. they're not trusting the opinions of these outlets anymore. And they're trusting their own critical thinking and research, right? And that's only going to trend in that direction as time goes on. The last one that to me might be the, the most positive piece of news from 2023 is, of course, the Sound of Freedom. I have this from Newsweek. Sound of Freedom box office defies expectations outside U.S., and it did inside the U.S. as well. But it goes on to say that basically this movie, which I'm sure everyone listening knows this movie and probably has seen it or knows about it, was a movie directly exposing the global child trafficking network, especially as it pertains to like the CIA and and within the American government and all of that. Um, This was a movie that the mainstream did everything they could. The Matrix did everything they could to squash this movie, to talk negatively about it. You know, they tried to associate it with QAnon and... Um, I remember seeing all these articles about Tim Ballard being this horrible guy that's pretending to be a good guy. Um, I've seen articles about The Sound of Freedom being a conspiracy theory movie. And nevertheless, this movie had a 14 or $15 million budget and absolutely smashed box office records, um, was the number one movie in box office for at least a few weeks, outperforming like major motion pictures with hundreds of millions of dollars of budget. I think that they're already netting worldwide 250 million this year for a movie with a $14 million budget is unheard of. And of course that means that this is a topic humanity's deeply interested in. And not only did this movie probably wake a lot of people up to this harsh reality of child trafficking, but it means that this is something that humanity is deeply interested in and willing to support, which, um, you know, we just had the whole Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell thing happen I think in 21, 22, that stirred up a lot of anger and woke a lot of people up. And then the next year you get this movie, which was a sensational yep. movie in my opinion, but didn't, didn't hold back, man, from showing the true reality of this uh, global child trafficking ring that unfortunately nobody wants this to be true, but it is true that the people who are perpetuating this are basically the same people that run the world, the controllers. And if we want to stop this, most unimaginably horrendous tragedy that is child trafficking. I don't think any of us can imagine anything worse than this. And it just happens. So happens to be like the biggest growing business in the world in terms of the profit that it's the revenue that it brings in multiple billions and billions of dollars every year are made from people trafficking children, right? If we're going to change this reality, it has to begin with movies like this. It has to begin with, Um, people spreading the word, spreading the awareness of it. And the more people who are aware of this reality and tuned into it, the harder and harder it is for those controllers to keep perpetuating this scheme of trafficking children. Of course, a big part of what's been happening at the border this year has been about the child trafficking rings, snatching up as many of those kids as they can. I saw a study um, someone did that said that like 40% of children crossing the border are disappearing into child traffickers. So, I mean, we li- wow. literally have this this mass um, epidemic of children being trafficked through the border. And whatever your politics are on border security or not, that should be a good enough reason to want to stop that. 
and have some kind of vetting process to make sure that we're not just um, basically opening the floodgates for traffickers to grab children. We, we have to care about these things, right? These things need to matter to us. And clearly the fact that this movie did so well means that it does matter. We have a long way to go. We have a lot more awareness globally that needs to be raised about this. But basically when humanity as a whole decides that we no longer stand for something, we will no longer tolerate something, it disappears very quickly. And so we have to inch closer and closer to that. We will absolutely not tolerate this any longer. And I think we took a massive step forward in that direction this year. Yeah, those are some uh, some killer shares, man. You definitely brought some good topics here. And um, everything you're sharing, I just keep thinking about how insane it is to see proof after proof after proof that we are in a fourth turning. Right. That's all that I'm thinking about every piece that you shared today is like, you do not see this in a first, second, or third turning. You just don't see nope. it. You cannot have the rise of an, a Robert Kennedy Jr. in any other time. So true. Except right now. You couldn't have it 10 years ago. You sure as hell couldn't have it 20 years ago. But you can have it today. And there's so many things I could touch on about what you brought up. But like on this on this Robert Kennedy note, yeah, I give him 0% chance of winning because the world is not a fair place and the political system is far from fair. What I want to clarify about that is something I've been telling Jax, which uh, she reflected back to me is like worth sharing. So sometimes I'll, I'll post stuff about RKJ in, in uh, my community and the Level Up Collective. And sometimes a lot of people who are newer and they'll kind of comment like, why, why do you, I thought you don't like politics. I thought it's all fake. And I'm like, yeah, it is. That's, that's not why I'm sharing it. It's not like, I don't vote. I rescinded all those contracts. It doesn't have anything to do with that. What is incredible to me is what RKJ represents. Think of him as an archetype that has existed throughout human history. When you see this archetype, pay attention. You're in a very unique time. Yeah. You cannot have a Donald Trump. You cannot have a Robert Kennedy if you're not in a fourth turning. And if you haven't studied these frameworks, if you haven't studied the rise and fall of civilizations, if you haven't studied the Roman Empire, if you haven't studied Ray Dalio's work and fourth turnings and all of this, then you might not understand what I'm saying. But this is going to continue to come up throughout our show because I feel like we could have called this show the fourth turning. Yeah. But the Great Awakening is better because it has more spiritual implications and and that is what supersedes all of this but a a another very helpful framework is is the fourth turning and what i'm always talking about and it's the beauty in what rkj is doing is i want you to imagine this it doesn't matter that that he could be a puppet it doesn't matter that the political system is all rigged none of that matters here's all that matters the awareness of the average person is now getting shattered their their concept of reality is currently being shattered do you know how many millions of americans have never considered 
What's in the vaccines? The pharma industry. Monsanto. That BlackRock State Street and Vanguard own 88% of everything. I mean, his talking points, if you made a bullet point list of his 10 main talking points, that is what they use in debates, right? Presidential debates. They'll go, all right, so let's pick this issue. You're pro, you're against, fight. It's like animals, right? That's what they do. Imagine an Robert Kennedy debate. You would have to speak to his talking points. He feels like this about this topic. You feel like this. Talk about it. That would absolutely dude, it'd be so unfair. break the infrastructure. Yeah. That is the media industrial complex and everything connected. That's why they won't let him have a debate, by the way. Right. But regardless, he's savvy. He knows what he's doing. So he's going with the more grassroots podcast approach. And I don't care which podcast you watch him on, he's dropping bombs about all of his talking points every single time. Yep. And you can say what you want to say about him. I'm once again, I have no he could very well be a puppet. It really doesn't matter. It's the same perspectives I have about Elon. People still cannot accept that Elon might be a force for good. They have to go to how he's a member of the Illuminati. They have to pull up pictures from the past. They have to find this thing on the internet of his mom doing an Illuminati sign, whatever. None of that matters. Look at their actions. Look at the ripple effect. Cool. They could be a plant. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Look at the ripple effect. Where would society be right now if Elon didn't buy Twitter? Do you see everything going on right now, Aaron, with the uh, Disney and all those um, big media companies trying to pull their advertising? Yeah, off Twitter and Elon going, yep, Don't on advertise. stage. <laughs> yes, yes. So hopefully the audience has seen that has seen that clip of basically like. Don't advertise on my platform then. And he directly calls out Bob Iger from Disney. Yeah. That was gangster. Say what you want to say. Like, where would culture be right now if you didn't have one social media at least where you could say or post whatever you want to say or post within reason? Right? Same with Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Say what you want to say about politicians. Oh, he's still a Kennedy. That's still a family you know what I mean? Like, cool, that's fine. But also, what is the ripple effect of how many people he's waking up, right? Yeah. He's a lawyer. He's a politician. He's a Kennedy. People are listening to what he has to say. They might not agree with it, but how many people are like Most going to do, Google? Though. How many people are going to Google after that and going, let me look this up for myself. What the hell? Yeah. Right? Who Who aren't educated and informed like we are who aren't doing their own research and all that so yeah that's what's so um that's what fires me up so much about all this stuff going on it's not to uh it doesn't matter who the figure is people get so caught up on the figure i see everything through archetypes it's a very helpful framework to see what archetype is this person i i can get a good read of someone very quickly and then people always want to drag them through the mud it's always about, oh, but I found this, I, I can find this on them or, or this is the theory on, on what they're actually doing or what the motives actually are. Like, that's fine. We can play that game all day. Yeah. I bet, I bet people could try to pull stuff up from my past and make some crazy thing look like it wasn't, but, but make it seem like a compelling piece. Mm -hmm. Actions speak. What is the ripple effect? 
what do they stand for? What are their core values, right? What kind of energy are they, are they inspiring in the collective? So yeah, I love, I love the pieces that you pulled up. Um, and maybe in the, maybe in our next show, I'll bring up that, uh, that Elon piece. I mean, I have it, but we don't want this show to be that long. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk about that at some point though. I have a lot of thoughts yeah. on all of that. And you said a couple of great things there. Um, I think people lack so much nuance in the truth community, spiritual community, hundred percent. you know, in the way they look at the world, it's like, Hey guys, people are unimaginably complex beings. You can't just assume, you know, everyone's motives like this. Like I know for sure Elon is a plant of the deep state. And it's yeah. like, how could you possibly know something like that for sure? It's like, well, because he wants to put chips in people's brains. There's the dead giveaway. Yep. Okay. Or he really thinks that putting chips in people's brains will cure diseases and heal Alzheimer's. And you know what I'm saying? Like maybe yep. he really just believes in his product and doesn't want to use it to enslave humanity. That could also be true. We're just making these far reaching predictions all the time about people's motives. And like you said, it's look at right now what this person is doing and what that, like, like Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree. This is more important. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So like when people talk about plants, I know you mentioned you're, you're giving a nice little concession there to your audience, which I appreciate by saying maybe RFK Jr. is a plant. I don't know, but X, Y, Z, but I, I would even say, Jeremy, I do know that he's not a plant and I'll tell you exactly why. Because the darkness will never, the, the negative polarity, will never use a plant to directly and constantly call out their corruption and expose their dirty little secrets all the time. Yeah. A house divided against itself cannot stand, Jesus said. Mm. A, a real plant, if you guys want to know what a real plant looks like from the controllers, look at like a Bill Gates or something. He's what a real Gavin plant- Newsom. It looks like Gavin Newsom, of course, but like <laughs> Bill Gates pretends to be this generous philanthropist. I just want to help humanity heal climate change. And when you actually look at what he does, just death and destruction follow him. And every decision he makes in his wake is just nothing but the destruction of human rights and, and lives and freedom. So you have to know a tree by its fruit, right? And what has been the fruit of Robert Kennedy from day one? Before he ran for president, he wrote the book, The Real Anthony Fauci. He was trying to give, he was trying to provide the world with a counter narrative to this fire hose level brainwashing from the mainstream media during the pandemic of there's only one way to think about vaccines and Fauci and all of this. And it's what we tell you. And he does this very daring thing, which is to write a book about the corruption of all of that during the height of the pandemic and the media machine running. And of course he got, he got barbecued for that in a lot of ways. <laughs> but now he's running for president and all this guy does is talk about how we've got to get money out of politics. We've got to get, um, you know, the regulatory agencies and the medical industry to stop being in collusion with each other. We can't have the medical industry being regulated by the same people that have stock investments in it. That's an obvious conflict of interest. And he goes on and on. And the only things that this guy I ever hear him talking about are things that directly benefit the common person. Yep. And take power away from the elites, the mainstream, the matrix and all of that. And so a plant would never do something like that, right? This is obvious metaphysics of the way this works. I would even say the same about Elon. 
I'm not saying Elon may not have selfish plans for humanity or something. I don't know if he does or if he doesn't, but I know that by his actions, he's clearly not working for the same people that want to enslave humanity because all he ever does is call those people out. George Soros, you know, he, he tries to expose the corruption of uh, the controllers on the planet and do things to preserve free speech. Have you seen the deep state do anything to preserve free speech in the last few years? Because I no. sure haven't. Every move they make is to try to take it away. So why would they plant someone to actively provide a free speech platform? They wouldn't, right? right? So we can look at just the basic actions of people and see, okay, this is a net positive for humanity. What's in the future? I don't know. I don't need to predict who's going to be the next overlord. I can't know that stuff. I can just know right now what's good for humanity. And, and RFK is clearly in that category of not only does he just articulate these things very well, but I've learned so much from him in terms of the way the world works and the way that certain systems work that I literally didn't know. And I'm listening to him on podcasts going, wow, that's very insightful. I didn't realize that there was a connection there and that maybe the problem is actually in this direction and we can solve it over here. Like this guy has a brain for facts and data and studies and information like I've never seen, which is why nobody wants to debate him and the controllers will never allow him to be on a debate stage with their candidate because he would absolutely roast them, right? He can yeah. recall statistics and studies I know. All, all day long to back up his points. And so that's, you know, for the uh, misinformation agents, it's not good when someone's really knowledgeable in recalling information. So I don't know what's going to come of RFK, but I do know that he's a beacon for humanity's awakening to me in that his popularity has... Like, I didn't expect, bro, that, that RFK would have the popularity he does and the general consensus of him in the public eye is very, very positive. Um, I thought for sure that the mainstream media would succeed like they always do in convincing people he's a conspiracy theorist and this and that. And it just hasn't worked. It hasn't stuck. No, Almost nobody that I know of believes those things about him. And um, again, that's just a sign for where is humanity placing its attention and trust it's clearly moving away from mainstream sources and to independent sources. And we also have the pandemic to thank for that, right? The, the, the constant inundation we had with vaccine commercials and stuff really woke a lot of people up. And I think what it comes down to, Jeremy, is that the, the people, the systems that are in control, it's kind of like it's an old world model and they just don't really know how to shift it into the new earth model, which is like independent media podcasts. They, they literally don't know a way to compete with it because there isn't, right? They only know like, hey, when we wanted our two hand-selected candidates to be elected president, we controlled the debates. They were on our terms, on our stage, and people had to watch our debate to get a view of these two candidates. RFK is like, no problem. You don't want me on your stage? I'll just go around to every big podcast on earth and share my ideas. And boom, his favorability goes way beyond the two hand-selected candidates because... The, the, the old world can't keep up with the new innovations that are emerging because people naturally want to have these conversations with normal people like themselves. We're sick of talking heads telling us what to think and believe. We're sick of political elites telling us what to think and believe. People overwhelmingly gra gravitate towards podcast and independent media outlets, YouTube channels and all of that, then mainstream media. And I feel like I can't imagine a world where in five years from now, Fox, CNN, MSNBC are still 
able to operate? Like, where are they going to get money from? Their, their ratings have plummeted at such an alarming rate. I mean, CNN had to cancel their CNN Plus subscription because it bombed and they lost like $10 million. And that just keeps happening more and more. So in the very near future, we may be living in a world where there isn't really such a thing as mainstream media because people just understand it's a political game. It's a, it's a bought and paid for financial game and we don't want our information to come from there anymore. Yeah. Check this out. I'm going to put a prediction out on, and we'll see how this ages. Did you know that, um, Disney's lost about 50% of its, uh, market share. Oh my. Due to, um, you know, everything that it's, everything that it's been doing with the woke ideologies and all that. Right. So they've taken such a beating since shifting to that, that there are, um, I'll just say there are some credible sources, um, non-mainstream credible sources that I've come across that are that shared that apparently um, Bob Iger and Disney is already working to break up Disney's business into like five-ish sub-businesses so that they can be bought out. In other words, they're basically going under. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, Not going under in the sense of bankruptcy, going under in the sense of their brand is essentially tarnished. They have like the streaming service, right? But then there's like the Disney we knew growing up as kids. Then they have these different business models going on. They're breaking it up so that they can sell it in chunks. And you know who's one of their buyers behind closed doors? BlackRock. Apple. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Apple's considering buying the streaming service piece. So this is what I love about capitalism. It is cutthroat in these financial markets, right? It's dog eat dog. The best entrepreneurs, the best businesses win over time. And what's cool is over a long enough time frame, common sense wins and irrationality in the short term wins, but in the long term, common sense wins. And what Disney did mm, may have been the nail in their casket to where they're going to have to completely either. I don't see Disney like the, you know, going to their amusement parks and stuff. I don't see that going under. I think that that's still pretty much a a moat, but they're going to have to completely downsize and restructure their business. And we may very well see pretty soon a world in which a few of the biggest companies in the world, which are all tech companies, by the way, this is why I'm heavily a tech investor, like Apple. Did you know that Apple has enough cash on hand to buy Disney right now in cash? Not surprised Disney's entire market cap, they can buy it in cash right now. I believe that. Just sitting there in a savings account. So that's the level of of power you're, you're flexing with. And when we see challenging economic climates, we often see a lot of what's called mergers and acquisitions. You see big dogs swallow up little dogs, basically, right? You see whales swallow up fish. And you have a lot of companies who didn't navigate the last two years very well, and they become susceptible for mergers and acquisitions, right? So I guess the play I want to put out here is if if this happens... I foresee this being the first of many. And when we talk about the media space, you know what I could see happening? I could see happening the media getting to such a bad place over the next three to five years like you're talking about. Because 
I think I shared in a previous uh, talk we did publicly that uh, I think it was in June for the first time ever podcasts and independent media crossed over and broke the viewership of the old school legacy media. Do yeah. you remember me bringing that up? I do. So that graph is now that it inverted is only spreading apart, right? So we're seeing the CNNs go down and we're seeing the Rogans and all Spotify. We saw, remember Vice actually went bankrupt this year and dissolved. Yep. Yeah. So, so let's play that graph out over five years. Right. That becomes an easy merger and acquisition target. I mean, I want like, think about it like this. You're buying a business that has all of this infrastructure, all of these underlying assets. You can buy that for pennies on the dollar. That's what, that's what, you know, billionaire um, investors like Carl Icahn and some of these savages do. They kind of like force, force other businesses out of business so that they can buy their competitors for pennies on the dollar. It's like kind of a savage approach, right? So I'm not saying that that's what's going to play out, but like if we see Apple buy a Disney streaming service, I want you to think about that because Disney also owns ESPN. They bought all those other, if you remember those other streaming. So that's a serious power play because Apple already has Apple TV and they're already trying to get into the ARV or they're already in the ARVR space. I want you to think about five years down the road in innovation when you're able to combine the ARVR that Apple offers Everything is vertically integrated. You already have their phones, their laptops, and everything. And all of a sudden, you're plugging straight into whatever it is, the media of choice or whatever you're wanting to watch because they own all of that. That's a power play. As soon as that happens, I think you're going to see some of these other tech companies going, yo, we could we could buy CNN, NBC, and ABC right now for five cents on the dollar. Yep complete rebrand and update it. And so that's a hell of a fourth turning prediction. <laughs> but I do think I do think that we see some sort of transition where definitely the old brands and what's attached to them, their reputation dies, but that but the infrastructure, the model gets swallowed up and then there's a chance for innovation. So the question becomes who buys them? Is it the the George Soros's? <laughs> Or is it the the Elon Musk's? Twitter could easily buy some of that. Think about that. Twitter's trying to become a bank already. They're trying to become a financial services company. They want you to be able to do everything. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want you to be able to do everything on X. Now think about cryptocurrency. They're trying to be a one-stop shop. If you can store money, send money, watch your news, Elon is a smart motherfucker. People don't understand the level of chess this man's playing. So like, I'm excited for, you know, this is more my realm, the investor stuff, innovation, but I'm excited about some of this stuff because I think that, yeah, legacy media is toast. These are, it, they're running businesses exactly like our government. <laughs> you're unprofitable every year and yet you're still in business. That's just because they're, you know, they're buddy, buddy with the, the, with the banks and they can just keep getting cheap debt, but they're literally burning cash. They're not profitable businesses. Right. So you can only do that for so long. And in this interest rate climate, if you're seeing record low numbers of viewership, which is how your advertisers pay you per viewer, right? All the pharma companies is 80% of their advertisers. If you're getting one-tenth of the views you used to get, well, advertisers pay are paying you one-tenth of what they used to pay you. And now debt is really expensive. 
you're having to borrow debt at 8%, 6%, 7% interest rates. How long can you do that before someone comes along with an all cash offer? And all of a sudden we see a, we see a serious power transfer from the George Soros's and the Rupert Murdoch's to who the Elon Musk's and the Tim Cook's. I mean, I think this is very interesting. Even think about uh, Spotify. Spotify could easily could easily come in and swallow up a some of these legacy media, yeah, and transition from being just something that people usually play on their phone or their iPad to all of a sudden now they're almost having like a, a TV type model. Obviously, they wouldn't. That would be going backwards. But what I mean is like more of a more people tuning in for for more live stuff, right? So there's, there's, that's, what's fascinating about innovation is the best companies who, who know how to manage their margins, who know how to stack free cash flow, who know how to be patient and not be overly, um, ambitious during times of low debt. When there are times of high interest rates and things get tough, you can swallow up your competitors. Yep. And I think that, that that's exciting because we have a lot of entrepreneurs right now in the, in the public space who, who do stand for freedom. And we want to support these people. We want them to have as much cash as possible because they can they can do cutthroat things in business that put the Rupert Murdochs out of business, right. that put the George Soros's out of business. And then when they tank them, they can come through with that cash offer. <laughs> like that, that happens commonly in business. For anyone in the audience who's like interested in this stuff, study Carl Icahn. He, he notoriously will do this. He'll tank a company and buy them for pennies on the dollar. Imagine that meeting. You're just like smiling through your teeth like, I hate you. And I'm about to sell you my business. You ruined my life. And it's just like you're shaking hands and it like, that's business. Yeah. Like that's how it is in Wall Street. So it's interesting. Well, and a big part of humanity's awakening is going to have to come through the business world being um, transmuted into a more healthy version of capitalism. Correct. Yep. Like I'm not a capitalist apologist or something, but to me, clearly capitalism is a much better model than say communism, which yep. has resulted or in socialism. mass genocide and death. Yeah. Socialism, communism are kind of the same to me. Those systems have only ever, literally only ever resulted in mass genocide and capitalism has its woes, has its downfalls, of course, but has it resulted in mass genocide here in the States? Definitely not. In fact, we've had a lot of years of a really booming, successful economy uh, the number one economy in the world. So there's holes that need to be plugged up in capitalism, such as the incredible financial collusion between like companies and the government and agencies working together financially. Obviously that needs to come to an end, which RFK Jr. is trying to do. But like what you're saying, I totally agree with in that the market will determine what wins and what loses at the end of the day and who controls the market other than the consumers. Yep. It's really our market. It's about what we're buying and giving our energy and attention to. And yep. so this is where we see the new earth emerging. And my perspective mm -hmm. is that like when independent media podcasts, YouTube channels begin to overtake mainstream media, those companies are going to dissolve and get bought out. Like you said, more and more Russell brands, Tucker Carlson's, Joe Rogan's will start to rise and then they get big deals with companies like Spotify who will put them on a bigger platform because guess what? Yeah, Spotify is getting paid a lot of money from woke corporations and investors like Soros who are really trying to push wokeism through every institution, education system, everywhere. But at the end of the day, as we saw with Bud Light, Target, Disney, 
If these companies see that we're going to get more money at the end of the day by making our consumers happy than we are placating the ideologues on the radical left, then they're going to stop pushing woke ideology. That's the bottom line. They want to make money. That's, that's what every company wants. They're not like inherently evil with horns on their head. They're getting paid to push woke ideology and to censor yep. people who speak out against it and all of that. And I think we're going to continue to see that decline in 2024 because here's my bold prediction. In 2024, we have a lot of huge energies converging into one point where like, we're definitely going to see the financial system collapse in 2024. I'd be shocked if it doesn't happen in 2024. Um, if it doesn't happen in 2024, it's only going to happen in 25. It's inevitable. But I think it will definitely happen you know, midway 2024, probably right before the election. Um, I guess my bold prediction would be that we're going to see three major systems of the matrix begin to collapse in a huge way. Number one, the financial banking industry. Um, as you know, Jeremy, as most of our viewers know, when that system, the financial system collapses, the feds, the feds and the big banks are going to come in like the savior saying, oh no, our financial system collapsed, but don't worry. Even though the dollar has gotten destroyed, we've got a new alternative called a digital banking currency. Use this instead. And they'll try to incentivize people to use it. And you know what, bro? I think it's going to go a lot like the pandemic of 2020 went with the vaccine, where like 30 to 40% of people will be like, no, I'm not going to use your money. I'm going to use Bitcoin. I'm going to use alternative cryptocurrencies. I'm going to use the blockchain because I don't trust you people anymore. I just watched you guys collapse our financial system in real time. And people are paying attention now, right? Thank God for social media and the internet where we can share ideas like this on independent podcasts like Rogan and whatnot. We're getting information out that obviously the mainstream would never dare to whisper on air. Rogan, Russell Brand, Peterson, Tucker Carlson, they're all talking about this stuff all day, every day. And there's really nothing that the, the system can do to stop them. So that's creating this huge amount of awareness in humanity to look at these things that they were totally blind to in the past, like the banking system and how corrupt it is. But beyond the banking system and mainstream media, which I think will have a huge collapse next year, I think we're going to see maybe the biggest collapse or maybe the most notable collapse we will see will be the political system collapsing in 2024. Because I think the 2024 election is going to be nuts. <laughs> to put it lightly, I think, I think what Trump did to the political matrix is that he scared them out of their britches by, by showing them that, hey, an outsider can win an election now. Whereas they've always had the election system under lockdown control. They get their two handpicked candidates right and left. They duke it out, but whoever wins is still working for the deep state and is going to push their policies. And that's all we've seen from almost all of American history now. But Trump came in, called out the deep state, said, I'm going to drain the swamp. Washington's full of corruption. I'm going to get rid of it. And he still won. And I don't think, Jeremy, that they thought he could win. I think the mainstream media in 2016 back then like really reflected that. They treated him like a joke who had no chance. And then he ended up winning. So that put them on notice, right? Of, hey, this guy can actually beat our rigged system because he has such a huge uh, following. And so we saw what I believe was clear election 
corruption in 2020 uh, for, you know, whether you want to point to the uh, 2000 Mules documentary, which to me exposes the whole thing. Uh, there's a million different things we could talk about that show that our elections are clearly not safe and secure. They want people who are not even citizens to vote. They want all this different stuff to create ballot harvesting. And it's just like we could be having elections on a blockchain that guaranteed absolutely perfect protected elections. We could do that easily if we wanted to. But yet we're using this old paper system of like punch your vote and send it in through the mail and they're going to count the paper ballots like it's the 1800s still. And we have technology that would make that way easier, way more expedited and way more safe. Hmm, I wonder why we're not using technology with our votes, even though we use it for every other system. It's because you can't manipulate it, right? And so I think in 2024, the system is backed into a corner in that it knows it's losing its grip of power over humanity. And it doesn't want to let go of that power, obviously. So we're going to see them pulling out all the stops, whether they, you know, some people have theories that they may try to start a war with China or Russia to make sure that there isn't even an election where they say, hey, sorry, War Powers Emergency Act. We can't have an election this year. We got to go to war with China. So we're going to institute, you know, a new candidate and everything's going to be fine. They're going to do something radical like that to make sure that either Trump or RFK or whoever is in, on the outside has no chance of winning because then that's that's their whole game is to control the presidency, control the political compass of the country, keep the population divided. They can't have a candidate that unites the country or exposes their agenda. And so that's why we see them doing crazy stuff like trying to get Trump removed from the ballots in all these different states, trying to get Trump thrown in prison and stuff, trying to imprison their political rival, which we've never seen before. That level of desperation, as you said, Jeremy, is a sign of a fourth turning. And I think as we've seen, like these events, if you've been paying attention, have been shocking to watch from a historical lens of like one president trying to indict the former president and his political rival into prison so that he doesn't get to compete against him. Like in America pastime, they wouldn't have stood for that because it would have been so obviously corrupt, I think. But now like the veil has been lifted so much and we realize, oh, the whole system has been fake all along. So it's almost like we're not even surprised anymore that the the monster's coming out of the closet finally. And so I think because of that desperation, 2024 is going to be wild in uh, kind of November, December during the elections. We're going to see stuff that is going to blow our minds, but it's going to be good in that it will radically expose the level of corruption in Washington and hopefully provide the groundwork for us to begin either healing or creating a new political system in our country. You just dropped a lot of a lot of gems. 2024 predictions on my end. I'm going to take a more moderate approach. Your approach is more on the um your timeline is that these things are going to happen fast. So I'm going to give a I'm going to give a counter timeline and we'll see kind of how these things play out. So I think that I think it's going to take this decade for a lot of those things to play out. Good. I'll give a few caveats. So in my opinion, the the fourth turning started in 2016, and they tend to last 10 to 20 years. So I I'm planning for a tw- around 2030 collapse. Now everything you spoke to is already in the works, and it's already could very well happen. But 
using the word collapse infers that it's like the end, right? I don't think we'll see the end of the dollar for years to come. Neither do I. Not that many years, but years to come. Um, And I think that the transition to the CBDC is going to be largely dependent on this election. If, If we get another Democrat puppet on the left who's clearly employed by the deep state, well, that's where I'm a little bit concerned for what I study for a living, which is all of these trends and and the fourth turning framework that I'm 100% confident about. Well, there's only so many ways a fourth turning can end. If we don't have a strong figure, commonly referred to as a populist, RKJ and Trump are this archetype. If we don't have a strong figure that can unite the nation, come into power in 2024, and bring the polarity into unity around a certain cause and around certain values, then that's where I'm a little bit concerned that this is going to head in the direction of civil war and revolution. Because if we see another voting ballot type situation where it's very obvious that let's say they have Biden win again. Who's voting for Biden? There's after no, this? no possible. No. Way. <laughs> uh, so that would be what back to what I was talking about. The level of disrespect. Yeah. That the level of how much they would be insulting our intelligence to have Biden reelected unanimous <laughs> would be insane. Right. But I could actually see this happening because we're in a fourth turning. So let's just play that out. 2024. That's where I'm, that's where we're looking at a civil war revolution. Yeah. Um, because that's where we're at in the hundred year cycle. And you can't do those types of things during the 100-year cycle that we're in, which is we're at the very tail end of the fourth turning. So it's like, if that happens, then my predictions are more in the realm of revolution, revolt, civil war among our own people, the left and the right, yeah, um, citizens, all of that. Like, you... In a capitalistic society, the only way that capitalism can work is if we have the uh, perception of law and order right. and democracy. If you lose the perception, and I'm calling it perception because, well, sometimes throughout a hundred year cycle, there is law and order and there is democracy. But then there's also sometimes throughout that cycle, there's the perception of it, but it's not actually the reality. And now we're in a space where that's not actually the reality. If we lose the perception of law and order, well, that's where all that's the system's worst nightmare. And we definitely that's, are. That's that's the collapse. Well, well, an example of that is January sixth. Right. If that's why that was so scary to the establishment and why they prosecuted that random few people so heavily who weren't even like what they said they were got to make example because they need to make an example out of them that we have law and order and this is a democracy and you have to peacefully transfer power well that was just a fucking appetizer y'all 
<laughs> if that were to happen again, and when I say that, I mean like the um, clearly the winner wasn't the winner. If that happens again, do you know how much of the middle America, I won't say California because it's ridiculous out here, but the Midwest and the Bible Belt uh, states, do you know the level of disrespect to our intelligence that will be felt if that is what we're told, right? So that's where my prediction would become revolt, revolution, uh, civil war. Now, I can't give a percentage to the likelihood of of that whole scenario playing out of a of a re-election of someone on the left who's just a straight puppet and isn't going to pivot us out of a lot of the problems we're in right now with uh, the economy and our global policies and where we're giving money and all that. If we stay with a puppet, then I think you're absolutely correct about the CBDC. I don't think it happens next year. I think it's more of a 2025, 2026 rollout. Um, because they will need a crisis and we're just coming out of one. Right. Um, of course they could do crisis, crisis, like back to back to back. But I, I feel, I think 2024 is going to be a, a very prosperous year for um, the financial markets. And so I think that that's 2025, 2026 is more realistic for the, for the pendulum swing. CBDC. CBDC and, and all of that. And it, I absolutely agree with you that it will be ushered in with a, uh, you know, here's the, what do they call it? Hegelian dialect or whatever. Like, Hegelian, here's the problem. Yeah, here's the problem. And then, you know, we're the white knight who's going to save you. Um, other, other predictions. So for 2024, I just think it's going to be an absolutely bananas year in terms, bananas year. Yeah. In terms of volatility and like, Obviously, huge focus is going to be uh, politics, and because it's not really just about politics, it's about what is the direction of this nation. We're we're at a point where um, we're at a point where the wrong president in the hundred year cycle could lead to the first civil war we've had in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. We haven't had that in our lifetime. Our parents haven't had that in their lifetime. Their parents haven't had that in their lifetime. I want you to think about how crazy that concept is. People think this can't happen because they don't study history. This happened. What do you think the Boston Tea Party was? How do you think this country was founded? They're playing it over and over. 1776. What was that? Taxation without representation. Look around you. That's what, like that's what we were founded on. Then we got hijacked by European ideologies. Yep. So like that's very real, y'all. And I pray that we get a strong leader. I don't give a shit about political party that's fake. All I care about is core values and ideologies. And if we don't get someone that can unite the people, we're already at 99 and one in terms of our polarity yeah. on stances. We can't agree on gender. We can't agree on the earth's shape. We can't agree on gravity. We can't agree on the sexual orientation of six-year-olds. We can't agree on what should be taught in school. We can't agree on anything. You can't have a democracy if you can't agree on simple fucking shit. <laughs> Our Facts. democracy is gone. There is no democracy. So 
we're in a scary place. And if we can't have someone come in who has common fucking sense, who can speak common sense to the nation and not divide them further, I think there's a very high chance of civil war and revolution. And I'm not pulling this out of my ass. Ray Dalio, one of the, you know, the billionaire hedge fund owner of Bridgewater, the largest hedge fund, very, very successful, speaks and has spoken the last year on, and he's a probabilities guy. The, they have, you know, fucking quantum computers running these types of algorithms. So he's spitting out, a, I forget the exact percentage he used, but it was a, he is actually concerned that we're going to have a civil war and he's all off probabilities and data and things you cannot fathom are being plugged into those computers and he is one of the my greatest teachers in terms of learning economic history over the last 500 to a thousand years if he's concerned about that you should be too <laughs> this is a this is a smart fucking man with resources you can't fathom with billions of dollars with quantum computers. So there's that. Um I would add to that, but, bro. Yeah. I think we're you could say we're already in a civil war. If Yeah, we are. It just hasn't gotten violent. Yeah, like it's it hasn't gotten to as violent as it can get, but we're in a fifth generation civil war. Fifth generation warfare, meaning using information and yeah, disinformation, totally misinformation. Like if you can see information as being weaponized, that's fifth generation warfare. We are yep. definitely in the thick of a civil war, right? Yep. With narratives yeah, duking it out and, and information fighting censorship. I mean, that those are all acts of war if Correct. information is war, if truth is yep. a, a valued commodity, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing truth being hidden, stolen, concealed in plain yes. sight so that a false narrative can be put in its place so that a certain faction can win. That's warfare. Yeah. And so it, it has led to some violence, obviously, but there's a lot more violence it could lead to. But I could also see a civil war that's largely or almost exclusively information. Yeah. Would like more of what we've been seeing is what I'm saying. Yeah. And this is again, why I'm a big fan of RFK Jr. Because you and I had had this conversation on the rabbit hole where we said, you know, we don't vote. Like, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not a Trump apologist in any way. But I think Trump was good for America in the sense of an outsider getting in. Yeah. Um, this is so funny to me how somebody as brass and brazen with his language as Trump is could win so much popularity is a direct testament to how sick and tired Americans became of yeah. the plastic talking heads on the TV telling them what to think the plastic talking head politicians reading off teleprompters, reading off note cards on stage. And you're like, hey, I'm trying to vote for you potentially to run my entire country. And you can't even just look me in the eyes and tell me about your own policies. You're reading off a script in your hands. Like, like you said, you're insulting my intelligence here. Mm -hmm. And so you and I both said we don't vote because we see this hilarious fake game that's being played in the political system. I don't care to vote for which selected leader from the deep state gets to rule over me. But when we have a true outsider, such as RFK Jr., who has, in my opinion, fantastic intentions for humanity, wants to help us take big steps forward towards the new earth, and he's potentially able to take that role away from the deep state and could fill that role 
which yes, I don't think that a presidential system is the best system that reflects natural law either. I think in the future, humanity, when we are an enlightened civilization, won't have rulers and people we select to rule over us. It'll be a giant kind of community thing in some way or a round table thing. But right now, this is the system we're stuck with. And we're probably not going to see this system go away in our lifetime, maybe not even in our children's lifetime. So while this system is in place and the deep state, the matrix has used it as maybe the number one weapon of control over humanity, why wouldn't we want someone like RFK to fill that role and at least hold back the system from using that role of presidency as a control device? You know, I have so many friends in the truth community and like common law, um, anarchy, voluntarism that are like, well, I, I would never vote for RFK because I don't believe in voting. And I'm like, yeah, I don't either. But you have to look at the larger context of the situation you're in, right? Just because I'm, I may actually vote for RFK, I may register as an independent and vote for him, doesn't mean I believe our system's good or helpful. It means it's so corrupt that at this point, doing anything to change it is a huge net positive for humanity. And so like RFK, if he even does a third of the things he says he would do if yeah. he were president and the money corruption in, in Washington, especially in the medical industry and fixing that up. Um, he has all kinds of great plans for decentralization and whatnot. If he even did a third of that, he'd be the greatest president who's ever existed. And so I'm willing to play in the system a bit to help collapse it, right? To help bring it down. Um, that's a more nuanced perspective that some people aren't looking at, but um, you, you have to you have to see the 3D chess being played or the 5D yeah. chess being played a bit and not just get so stuck in a, well, I don't vote because I don't believe in the political system. 90% of the time, that's true for me too. But if we can get an outsider inside, that might be a huge win for humanity. And again, I don't think RFK really stands a chance at winning because it's not a fair election system. But nevertheless, for what it does for the collective awakening to see a candidate like RFK taking 30% of the votes away from both right and left would be a huge statement to yep. the, the controllers and to humanity at large that, hey, we can actually get somebody we would want to be in a leadership role in there. We don't always have to choose between the two um system candidates all the time we just have to start participating in the world in a new way because we've been just outsourcing our whole history we've just been listening to what the news says and doing it listening to what politicians say and doing it not thinking for ourselves not researching for ourselves and so with the internet with all the calamities that have happened since 2020 it's kind of forced humanity to begin doing our own research and forcing us to wake up to the systemic corruption we've unfortunately created incidentally, through our acquiescence, um, through outsourcing our power to corporations and leaders. You know, humanity is just learning how to take our power back step by step. And so each one of these things we're bringing up on the show is one of those little steps. Uh, I totally agree with you that I don't think we're going to see the whole banking system collapse in 24. I just think we're going to start seeing the huge pieces of rubble start falling off the tower. yeah. Yeah, like We're going to start seeing, oh boy, there's some big changes coming. And I believe that will happen next year in at least those three systems in a really marked way. When the whole system will come down, I don't know. But I tend to agree with you that because fourth turnings don't last more than about, what, 20 years or so? Yeah. Then it's got to, if it's going to collapse, it's got to be before now in 2030. 
And yeah. if it doesn't, in those systems, we'll have to take another cycle of revolution around learning our same lessons. And that's okay if that happens. But um, I'm sure the viewers would agree with us that we'd like to see all the systems collapse by 2030 so we can really start building the new earth. Yeah. Yeah. I think the 2030 just makes so much sense. Um, you know, it could be 2029, it could be 2032, but, but around there, because so much of, uh, what the global economy and the power structures are focusing on is 2030. It is this new world. It is the WEF plan. It is the carbon neutral. It is the, uh, socially and politically correct climate. It is the, everyone can have their truth. It's this new, like fake world they're trying to create, right? With smart cities and and all the things. So you have to have the end of the fourth turning by that time. It, it will have to get bad enough to where even those in the middle stand the fuck up because you see the alternative. And when it does, that could be 20, that could be next year. That could be in four years. That could be 2032. But when it comes time and people actually see, holy shit, there's the concentration camp they built for us. <laughs> Construction's already started on it. Okay. It's not a fucking joke anymore. This isn't a, this isn't a game, then, you know, we will do what we could have done all along, (laughs) unite, realize there's, you know, thousands of us per one of them, and history will repeat itself. And in that sense, I feel this is a beautiful segue to our, our closing. That is what the Great Awakening show is all about, this notion of it's it's crazy to live the human experience and to not bypass it and to really be here now and be here and actually live it. It's fucking nuts. It's crazier than any psychedelic experience. hundred percent, dude. And because of our perception of time as limited humans with limited brains and nervous systems, a year seems like so much time. A week, if you're not doing well, seems like an eternity. So it's it's next to impossible for us to think in decade time spans, let alone hundred year cycles. That's not how we're wired. And yet when you can see it from this perspective, you can study your ancestors essentially, right? They're not here anymore, but these things repeat, they rhyme. Mm-hmm. And we're coming to the crescendo. We're coming to that moment that one straw that topples everything and that is what the great awakening is all about because it's like from one perspective what we do matters so much and that's the point of why you need to be here now and not bypass this Mm -hmm. and also it's almost as if it was also already written we're just characters we're just archetypes playing out what our archetype plays out and everyone's archetype is needed to co-create. And so we need the villains. We need the heroes. We need the chattel. We need the jokesters. We need every archetype on the chessboard to play their role or what the fuck would this human experience really be? Right? We need the Klaus Schwabs. We need the Mianarians, but we also need the the comedians to remind us not to take shit so seriously, right? And that life is at the end, it's a joke. Don't take it so serious. No one gets out alive. So we need all of these archetypes 
And that's really that's really what this show is all about. It's like we're heading into the most important time in our lives, our parents' lives, and our grandparents' lives. This is a hu- the tail end of a hundred year secular shift, and we're here for it. Like we actually get to be on the front lines in this shit, doing it, and playing our part. And don't get so lost in the sauce that you think that, I guess that you forget that whatever and whoever created all of this has already ordained all of this. Yeah. And so we're, it's almost like we're this like, we're this like game character or this, or this like action figure who's like doing what they were built or designed to do. And that's what we are living out. You could maybe call that your karma or your spirit or your dharma. But also, God has a larger plan that we have no fucking clue about, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's fun to play in it, and it's fun to be here now and not just try to, like, look the other way and just, you know, bypass everything. But also, at the end of the day, like, just play your role. Be the best archetype of whatever your archetype is. Be the best you can be in that. And remember that everyone has their role. And so, like, getting upset that there's, like, villains out there, it's like, no, you'd be really fucking bored. Like, if you're a hero archetype and there's villains out there, like, you should be grateful for that. Because what else is going to give us purpose and a mission? And, And think about how amazing the human story is that we're writing right now. Yeah. Like this is, think of the most inspiring movie you've ever seen. It's it's the story of a hero's journey. It's the story of conquering evil, usually. Yep. Right. Well, we get to actually live that, and it's real. It's not. It's not a Hollywood production. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that's like that's fucking cool. And so that's what this show is really about, guys. Yeah, I, dude, I couldn't agree more. I want to give you a round of applause <laughs> for all that. <laughs> Thank you, man. Because as somebody who teaches oneness for a living, basically, in non-duality, I, I get so sick of people being critical of those who want to actually create oneness in the world. Like the second we try to actually engage with the world, right. bring healing to the world, oh, stop getting involved in the world. That's duality. Just meditate. Just be by yourself. That's not spiritual, you guys. That's not what oneness is. W- love is not love unless it's extending itself. And if you don't have a genuine desire to be of service to this planet right now, you're not awake yet because your soul came here for that purpose. Your soul came here to be a demonstration of love and oneness. And so like Jeremy is saying, you're here to literally die into your character, to become your character Mm. to the fullest by not being identified with it, but seeing it from a larger view of your soul, you know, from soul consciousness, you realize, Oh, I chose to be this little human character at this time on this planet to be of service in this amazing way that gives meaning to the movie, gives meaning to the play and the script that you're playing out. So it's like, start that business, make that music, create that product, do that thing. Whatever lights you up and whatever you're passionate about is your service to humanity. And do not let the fear of the deep state stop you from that. Do not let your anger about the corruption in the world stop you from that. A lot of people just want to move off grid and go live in a van in Costa Rica or something. And that's just not helpful for humanity. It just isn't. It's, it's, a, it's a bypassing complex that if you think about the way that you heal your own traumas, almost everybody listening, I would imagine, 
has faced a trauma and healed it in some way, if you're on a spiritual path. And so what happens? You have to look into that memory. Uh, you have to face that hidden guilt that you've been running from and go, wow, I really did that to that person. Oh man, I really don't want to acknowledge this, but, but I have to, or I'm going to keep running from it my whole life. And you have that moment of reckoning with yourself. That's the exact moment humanity's having collectively. We are reckoning with our corruption and our greed and our distortions. And it's hard, right? It sucks while you're doing it. But if you want freedom, if you want to experience your potential to the fullest, you have to have that reckoning. Humanity has to have this reckoning or this fourth turning to see our shadows collectively and then collectively say, no, we will no longer participate in this financial corruption, in this political corruption, in this medical corruption. We will no longer pay taxes to a government that funds child trafficking and wars and, and, and genocide and whatnot. If we don't say that, guess what? Those systems will keep doing what they're doing. They will never stop unless we collectively stand up and say no to those things. And the first thing that love does is does no harm. The first law of love is do no harm. If love does harm to somebody, it's immediately not love anymore. So we have to become aware of the ways we're doing harm to each other. And it's uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. And yes, it may make you feel unspiritual to acknowledge those things in yourself, but it's not true. You're much more of a spiritual person if you're willing to confront your shadows and if you're willing to actually be in the world, but not of the world. And so like Jeremy's saying, we hope to inspire you in this show as we continue to talk about world events from this light of humanity's awakening process. We're living through this great story right now. We hope to inspire you to be in the story, right? Make yourself one of the main characters of this story rather than just an extra in the background of the movie that never gets noticed. You, you can be an extra if you want. You don't have to participate in the Great Awakening. No one's going to force you to. But what I would offer you to consider is when this incarnation is over and you have your life review and you watch every decision you made in your life and you have that greater picture of the planet you were just on and the transition that was happening on that planet, I think your soul is going to feel a whole lot of remorse for not being more involved in that transition in a positive way, for wasting the opportunity to come to a planet like this and be of service in a massive way. I mean, most of you guys know that I'm a huge fan of channeled texts and near-death experiences. And this is one theme, you guys, that I see over and over in channeled texts and in near-death experiences is that the soul on the other side, when it's choosing its incarnation, our souls are so pure that they really just want to find where they can best serve and bring love and bring their gifts somewhere to be of service through those gifts. And uh, clearly, if you're here right now, your soul chose a really good planet for doing that because we are going through this, this systemic collapse of the old world and the building of a new world, which is the hardest time to be alive on a planet generally. And so I think you're going to feel that remorse on a soul level that you shrank back, you, you played it small, you didn't want to get involved, you bypassed the world events when you have this great opportunity to see the world as an extension of you and to say, wow, the greed out there is manifesting because I've got greed in here. So let me heal myself and then go out to that greedy world and bring abundance, bring light, bring truth, bring help, bring healing. If we heal ourselves, we become instruments of healing. 
And all of us look at the world that we're living in right now and say, man, I wish I could help this world heal. Well, you can by taking responsibility for the same energies that are in you. You know, if you get triggered by any world event, there's some seed of negative energy in you that needs to be looked at and forgiven and healed and transmuted. And then once you do, you can live in this world and watch these world events unfold, watch the wars, watch the corruption get exposed, but never be moved from your center of inner peace and trust in the divine plan. You just say, well, whatever's happening has to happen because humanity needs to see its shadows. These dark secrets need to get exposed. And so like, if you know that there was a, a serial killer in your neighborhood who gets caught on the news um, and all the victims are put on the news, you would look at that and say, oh, this is a horrible thing. And yet for the last two years in your neighborhood, that guy was going around murdering people in secret. You just didn't know about it. And so when it gets exposed, the ego is quick to say, oh, this is a bad thing that shouldn't be happening. But the reality is it's already been happening under your own eyes and you haven't been aware of it. So whenever you become aware of something, that's a very positive thing from that perspective. It doesn't mean we like the death, the suffering, the travesty that's happening. It means we like the awakening it causes. And that's just the ultimate reason why our souls all came here, right? Is to be these agents of change, to be light workers, to be healers. And so I encourage you, especially those in my audience, please don't bypass the world you're living in. Please don't pretend it's more spiritual to ignore what's happening. If you're not at a place where you can interface with world events from a peaceful disposition, sending love and light, then yeah, maybe you should go be alone for a while and work on yourself and heal those things. But please come out of that cave <laughs> with new motivation and, and willingness and inner resource to want to bring help and healing, because I promise you, you'll find that that's the most cutting edge thing there is to be a bringer of the new earth, to be a bringer of light is far more fulfilling to the soul than to be someone who sits back in with a cynical disposition saying, well, the world's so corrupt and evil. I'm just going to work on myself and ignore it all. I mean, you can do that. I'm not judging those who want to do that. I'm just saying, I think you'll, your soul will regret that decision in the long run. So Hopefully we've inspired you today, beginning this conversation. Uh, we're going to continue doing this on a monthly basis, as we talked about, uh, to continue providing you with positive perspectives and a greater context for this incredible awakening that's unfolding to, uh, to really be involved in it in the best way possible. So I don't know if you have anything you want to close with, Jeremy, before we close out here. I was just going to say, we need a moment of silence for the, for what you just channeled right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You can pause the video. I, have your, have your I hope you guys go watch that back at least one more time. That was uh, phenomenally put. And I'm glad that you really chose to anchor that in deeper and, and highlight that specific point. It is ultimately the essence of, of why we're doing this and yeah. what we're actually trying to convey here. So. Yeah, I got nothing to add, guys. Uh, we're sending you all so much love. If you've tuned in this whole time, we'd love to hear feedback from you in the comments. Um, let us know what you guys are particularly excited about. If you guys also have any specific areas or topics or cultural events that you want to make sure that we touch on, yeah. definitely let us know in the comments. We will be reading all the comments and, and we'll be monitoring this. So, um, you know, this is a collaborative thing. We hope that you guys tune along 
tune in along with us each month. And outside of that, we'll see you in January, guys. Peace and love. Peace, everyone.